Have you ever said this to yourself or a friend? Despite all my efforts, I am feeling worse and worse. Or I'm doing all the right things and no matter what, I'm not feeling better. Or maybe you've said, before XYZ thing happened, exercise and being intentional with my diet made me feel better. And now it has no impact on my health or makes me feel even worse. If so, you are like many of my clients, and these are actually things that I have heard from my clients and I regularly hear when I start working with them. Once you get sick enough, there can often seem to be no correlation between effort and results, and we're tempted to either work even harder in our health or just give up completely because, hey, it's not helping anyways. Here's the good news, though. It is exactly this lack of correlation between effort and results that is a major sign that you may be working against yourself and that there is a better way. You actually are allowed to give up things to go up in your health. And on today's episode, I'm going to be describing exactly how and why giving up things and making a simpler life can actually make you feel and get healthier. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, ladies. So this podcast episode is inspired by two things. One, which is my own health journey where I... (laughs) totally felt like I was in the dumps and in this like black hole of all of my efforts resulting in nothing and just feeling like I was going insane uh, of not getting results no matter how hard I tried. And the second thing, which was something that my business coach, Christine Kane, said to me recently, or she was she was saying in a training. And I remember when I first heard it, I thought, oh my goodness, that is exactly the same truth in health. And so what she said in terms of business is that often getting to the next level in your business is not a matter of adding things on, but actually letting things go. And while I'm not going to dig into why that has to do anything to do with 
business or its relevance in business, it is actually incredibly and like it it made me emotional. I was so excited to realize that's actually super true. A lot of times in our health, we feel like um, to get better, I have to add on all these food restrictions and I have to add on 30 minutes of exercise and I have to add on um, like all these all water filter, or all these things that are like good and that heck, we probably even talk about on this podcast because they're real things that we want to be thinking about, but we can get in this kind of spinning our wheels mode where everything we do is about adding things on. And actually when I evaluate my life and my health journey, when I evaluate my client's health journey, it's actually more so in letting things go and in the releasing that we start to see big change in our health. And so I wanted to talk through like why that is and what that means in today's podcast. Because I think even as you're listening, even as I say it, it can be part of my brain's like, yeah, that makes sense. And the other part of my brain's like, that makes absolutely no sense, Allison. So to start off with just laying the foundation of of kind of how can we logically and emotionally wrap our minds around the idea that that letting go or releasing things can actually is is key to up leveling and getting to the next level in our health. And the that foundational concept is something I've said in some of our podcasts before, which is illness is a state of dis ease. And if you think about the word disease, you can split it up into two two primary foundational words and there's dis and there's ease. So the, the lack of ease. And you can actually realize that somebody could be technically healthy. Maybe like they don't have GI problems or they don't feel exhausted in the morning or they don't XYZ thing. But if they're in this constant state of of lack of ease, maybe they're stressed about their marriage or they're, um, you know, they're always focused on their work. Like you would not call them necessarily a healthy or even a happy person. Maybe they're successful. Maybe they're a politician or a, I don't know, a famous person. Like just think about like, maybe they have a big house or whatever it is. It doesn't matter how much money they make. Like they might be kind of outer worldly, like kind of have these success principles that we've created in our current culture, but they're, but they might not have feel successful on the inside. They might feel just really driven and really like they always have to accomplish more. And that's actually kind of what goes on when you start getting this uh, maladaptive or, or kind of ill mindset or ill approach to, to being ill. (laughs) It's like this really weird, um, duality and kind of dual layer where where you have the actual illness itself and the fact that something's very much wrong on the inside of your body due to the fact that there's pain and discomfort and and fatigue and all that jazz but then there's the approach to the disease which can be literally diseaseful in itself I'm making that up but full of disease and so realizing that when I, I kind of remember along my own journey that it seemed counterintuitive and actually seemed counterproductive to be ill 
which I very much started to identify with, and yet to be so uptight about my illness that that it was like magnifying all the problems and the pain I had, that every every day I had pain or every moment that my diet didn't make me feel better, I just was layering on all this pressure on myself to fix things and to get it right and to add one more blog to read or one more book to read or one more podcast to listen to. And, and not that those things, you know, I'm, there were plenty of, you know, key moments where I found information or I found a new health practitioner or I found whatever that kind of unlocked the door. But one of the key pieces of information I found and kept refinding was this invitation to let down all these expectations for myself and all this pressure and all this state of dis-ease. There's this wonderful story by Christine Misrandino who wrote the blog, But You Don't Look Sick. And she wrote a blog that before things really went viral, it went viral. And it was called Spoon Theory. And the way that this blog post got written is she had a close friend of hers ask her what it was like to live with her chronic illness, which was lupus. And she was trying to imagine how do you describe to somebody, you know, she even starts off the blog post talking about, well, you've already seen me in pain. You've already seen me cry just like in pain and not being able to stop. You've seen me at doctor's offices where they don't know what to do. You know, this friend had walked with her really closely and just asked her this really close, vulnerable question. And in her effort to describe or try to like describe in a new way what it is like to be chronically ill to somebody who isn't, she ended up using, so she like looked at, they were eating and she looked at all the spoons on the table and she's like, give me all your spoons. And she describes, I want you to to tell me everything you do in the morning. And so the woman describes all these things she does, like wash her hair and, you know, get her kids ready for school and make breakfast and all this stuff. And as she's talking, uh, Christine is setting down the spoons of that are in her hand. And, you know, at the end of maybe her friend sharing what she does for her morning routine, there's two spoons left in her hand. And, 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 and Christine looks at her friend and says, okay, you have two spoons left that what are you going to do with the rest of your day? She's like, what do you mean? It's only, you know, 9am or 8am. I, you know, I only have two more things I can do. And she says, that's what it's like to live with lupus. And there's this grace. And I remember when I first read that article, I actually was very young. So it was before I, my GI difficulties um, really flared up. I was in high school, but I really identified with it because I had depression and I had this really strong, like someone had never articulated before this quality of you don't look sick, you don't sound sick, like you're not, you know, you're not losing your hair like in cancer, you don't have a broken bone and like a cast, you don't have the sniffles, (laughs) like you don't look sick and you're doing your best to not come across as sick because A, that's just not fun and B, it's not always helpful. And so... I I think back on that story and it's come back to mind literally since high school, which is longer than I care to share ago for me. Um, And I actually really love that that story seems to embody this grace that of somebody who is sick, who's in a state of illness, who is learning how to give up things like Christine and the spoon theories learning is sharing how she learned to give up the fact that her friends had more spoons than her. She gave up the expectation that she had 
more spoons <laughs> that then she she wanted to have more spoons. She wanted to act like she had more spoons. And at this point in her in her journey, in her health journey, she had been able to accept and understand, I just don't have as many spoons. And also the same things that might cost, maybe her friend has 15 spoons and her morning routine only costs her one. The one, the morning, maybe Christine only has five spoons and the morning routine costs her three spoons, just the same one that her friend goes through. And so that is something that like, I'm actually linking, we're going to be linking in the show notes, that article and that blog post, you'll see that it's on a, like a very old website. Um, It's really good. It's been reposted hundreds of times. You might've even seen it before. I'm sure that there's memes or like Instagram posts on it, but um, it is something that I'm hoping as we're talking more is like a really helpful grounding point of what it means that if illness is, if we want to try to be in a state of illness without having the dis-ease, if we want to try to be in a state of ease, even with the illness and kind of our mindset and our approach, knowing that that state of ease actually is preparing us to be healthy, it's actually making the way for us to get healthy, it is necessary for our body to heal what does that look like and it and it looks like this grace that someone has when they are sick when they don't have as much capability but they still honor themselves so this is what it looks like in my own health journey and i wanted to share some examples so it would just make more sense to be concrete and honestly, maybe give you some ideas. And as you're listening, I do encourage you to be listening for, is there something that actually sticks out to you of, oh, that really resonates. That's something that I've been thinking about or dealing with or feeling pressure in that area. Or is it something that you too want to adopt and choose to give up? So um, in my life, um, I had to give up a job that I derived worth from. That is actually really big. I have a friend right now who is considering changing her job because of just the impact that COVID and all the pressure from that has had on her health. And she's considering transitioning to a job that would pay just as much and, you know, would just be just as good, et cetera, but is not viewed by her community um, or by by her industry as as prestigious of a position. And she was really honest with me recently and said, you know, it kind of, it's kind of hard to leave this position because it's seen that once I get into this position that I'm in, that I've like made it, I'm at the top of the top, I'm the best of the best. And for me to leave it and go do another, you know, make a lateral move and make the same amount of money and still be the same qualified person that I am, that I am not as prestigious and that there's this worth. And so when she, I literally heard this a couple days ago and she's really intentionally moving forward in her health right now. And I also had to do that. I gave up a job that I had worked hard to get, that I'd put a lot of time and effort into. I was actually just about to re-up my contract with that job and be working with them for another two to five years. And I as I was moving forward in it and I was had been sick almost 
my entire two years of being in that job. And, and I'm a spiritual person. I was praying and I was asking God, like, what is his plan for me? And, and asking for guidance. And I really felt him say like, no, this is not it. And I'm inviting you away from that into something else. And I remember the, the, the process was so termulous for me. I actually went and fasted for three days, or that was my intention. I was going to fast for three days it ended up being about two and a half because I got my answer. But I went off into the woods. I got a tent from a friend and I just sat in a park and and like would walk around and journal and ask God and pray. And you might even realize that this episode has kind of a spiritual aspect to it of our spiritual selves and our 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 psychological selves of how we're approaching our illness and um and it's not this direct correlation, like if you are slow and gentle and humble, then you will be healthy. But it's, but there is this, like, I do see if you are harsh on yourself and forceful and, and, and demanding that that is not a state for, of health. It's kind of like if your soil is, is hard and rocky and dry, that's not a good place to grow plants. And so um, I gave up a job that I derived worth from and I, my one request as I was praying into that whole process was just give me some guidance, God, on what I'm doing next. Cause I had no idea. I wasn't like I had a backup plan B. Um, I was definitely not thinking about any, like owning a business. Wow. I didn't even start my own business until a year and a half later. And that was a long process and a long realization process. But, um, I did know enough that I knew that staying in that job or I intuited it and and through prayer intuited it that that was not going to be a part of me getting healthy. Another thing that I gave up was money slash my bank account. I had to say that this is something like while every, while all my friends are buying houses or buying weddings or um, I, buying clothes, I can remember a, a roommate of mine buying herself a, a new dress and thinking, wow, that's a really nice new dress. And I was just kind of saving my money and keeping it um, for, so I could buy organic food or so that I could buy supplies to make kombucha. And admittedly, I didn't make that much to begin with. So it wasn't, you know, that was kind of my big thing, but you know, I was really intentionally spending my money so that I could pay for a chiropractor or could, you know, as expenses came up, I just could tell that my health was a bigger expense. And there is this humbleness in this, like, I, I wasn't on the same fast track as all my friends who were getting, I had a roommate getting a PhD and a roommate who, you know, had a, a, a budget for buying new clothes every month. And that wasn't where I was at. And so there was that giving up of this narrative of culture and what success means and what it looks like. And I had to say, I'm going to create success in my, my, my own terms. And I actually think when you go back to spoon theory, that's kind of what Christine is sharing in her spoon theory story, which is she had to create success in her own terms. And she had to decide, you know, if I can only accomplish five things today, what are my five most important things? It's a really beautiful, simple way to live, but it is definitely countercultural, and so it does make it harder. Another thing that I had to give up on was being as active as my friends on the weeknights or the weekends. And I don't mean like going and partying, but although that might be the case for you where you feel that, um, I just mean like going to events or going to the movies or um, going and ha- going to the park. I just remember 
so many times, and you might also feel this, where you are, you know that your friends or friend group are going to hang out and you're just like weighing in your mind, like, I'm really tired right now. I kind of want to lay on the couch and you have to, like, there's this, this balance that you're trying to figure out of would actually going be better for me, even though it might make me more tired because it's like the, the, the socializing is going to be so much more feeding to my soul. Or is it actually good for me to stay home? not out of fear of my sickness, but out of just saying like, I can't go out as much as my friends or I have to weigh the consequences a lot more. And so there definitely were times that I gave up this right that I felt like I wanted to have of like being as active as, as other people, um, as my other friends or family. And, and again, kind of some of the energy behind that was like proving my worth, proving that I'm strong, proving that I'm well liked and and giving up and saying, I'm just gonna have to trust that my friends love me, whether or not I show up to this thing. I'm going to have to trust that I understand that I'm not avoiding going because I'm lazy or because I'm disinterested or because I'm anything. I'm just tired. I'm just sick. And so that there was like this giving up aspect of that. I gave up this image of me being better, stronger, or faster than others. <laughs> I think that is really embarrassing to admit um, that there's this drive in me to be smarter and stronger and more diligent and, and, and whatever it was than other people. And clearly, when I was sick, that was actively working against me. And I just wasn't able to be this kind of superwoman ideal that I think is beautiful and wonderful to have. And women, are we are superheroes. Like, we're cool and we're awesome. And, and it's great to feel that we love ourselves and are just like in love with our life. And I know that being healthy and getting healthier definitely is a win as far as being able to feed into those goals that we have, whether it's being a superhero mom or a superhero career, career woman or a community member or, a, you know, friends who I friends who want to be involved in the political sphere, like you need health and energy to do that. And so um, that's not bad. But just realizing if you're not in that state, one way to to have the spirit of ease, even in the physical state of dis- disease, disease or disease, that's so hard to say sometimes, (laughs) Um, is actually saying like, for now, I'm going to have to give up that image and just say, I love myself where I'm at. I'm content with myself where I'm at, or I know I'm growing. Um, That actually ties into another thing I had to give up. I had to give up something called a fixed mindset. And that is something that you might've heard before. It's kind of becoming popularized for good reason. But if you've heard of it and you're not sure what it is, or you want to dive in more, you could actually read the original book of the psychologist who developed it, Carol Dweck. The book is called Mindset by Carol Dweck, and we'll have a link in the show notes for it. And I had to give up this fixed mindset of who I am right now is is all I have, and so I have to prove myself constantly, and I can't fail anytime. And that's what a fixed mindset have. It's a, it's a very driven, very harsh mindset that says, you know, I need to constantly prove myself. And the growth mindset is the opposite. And it says, I'm in an upward trajectory. I grow over time. I'm progressing. And and you actually, when you get into growth mindset, you end up seeing a lot of things fall off, like anger and impatience and um 
kind of like bitterness maybe towards yourself or towards others uh, comparison which is a huge energy leech of like well so and so has a prettier kitchen than me or so and so you know their kids are involved in more things than mine or or so and so runs half marathons and I don't and it's like well so-and-so's different and heck maybe they're feeling sick too and they're just not telling anyone and and the the fact is is that actually exercising or pushing yourself even if it's not you know specifically exercise but it could be even specifically exercise and pushing yourself when you are feeling exceedingly poor and tired and fatigued you are draining your adrenal glands and when you drain your adrenal glands you put yourself further and further into an exhaustive state of adrenal adrenal exhaustion and so coming out of that will then take longer and longer and not to be a scare tactic but to kind of just actually bring validity or to bring some some value to if you do choose to slow down or or even as you're mentally and logically wrestling with like, wow, am I actually going to say no to something when it feels like I'm probably benefiting myself if I say yes to more things? It's like, no, it, it's actually, it is benefiting yourself to rest and to sleep and your body might be inviting you into a into a healing state. And if you feel like your healing state isn't progressing and you're just stuck and needing naps all the time and never feeling rested, like that's an invitation to 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 seek something else and not just to regurgitate the same same problems kind of in that same realm just transitioning um i had to give up control i like to say it i like to say it as i gave up control over my food and that's both what i did eat and what i didn't eat um you know with my clients sometimes there's a giving up of like this right for gluten like i feel a right that if my family can eat it or my friends can eat it or i'm at a party and it's there like i have a right to eat gluten or to eat dairy or to eat sugar and sometimes that's what we have to give up i recently did a test i think i've shared this on our podcast that um I did a test of actually a bunch of testing since I miscarried in January, and one of them was a deep food sensitivity test, including several layers of grains, not just wheat, but corn and rice and barley and quinoa and all these other, you know, gluten-free or gluten-full grains. And I was sensitive to pretty much every grain other than oats, and even oats right now I'm staying away from because they can have molecular mimicry and I could could actually cause a flare-up just by eating oats. And so I'm letting my body go through a healing process. But what's undeniable is that I am sensitive to corn and to rice uh, and corn like really, really bad. And I did a couple other tests and I also found out I have leaky brain. I've got all the antibodies for my brain, blood brain barrier being deteriorated. And that's very, very common when you have leaky gut. I also have all the symptoms of leaky gut or I have like the, some, I have some of the, I test positive for some of the testing you can do for leaky gut. And you know, what's annoying. I had leaky gut a year ago, like, and I just figured, oh, a year later it would be improved. And it kind of was, but not really. And I was like, well, I've also been eating corn for the last year. And so I had to, like, it was about a two to three week process where I wasn't eating corn, but I remember going through this emotional change, um, some grief of like, wow, this thing that's in a lot of foods, holy crap, it's in so many foods. And I already knew that, like, I actually have helped and work with clients go corn free before on top of wheat and rice. And 
gluten-free no longer kicks it. I can't buy gluten-free buns. I can't buy like gluten-free, whatever. I have to buy grain-free. Um, so something that's like paleo or something that says grain-free. And so that was, there's an emotional giving up and even the process of, I, I totally cried uh, with a couple friends. It was around my birthday that I found all this out. So I had to ask for a birthday cake that now was not gluten-free, but grain-free. And I was like, oh, I'm such a burden and all this stuff. And there was like all this emotional stuff going on. I was like, Allison, I'm inviting myself to ask for help. I'm giving up doing it on my own. I'm inviting people into my health journey. And I'm admitting that I have a broken body that's not ideal. And if somebody else doesn't have that, hallelujah, praise God. Like, I want to celebrate with them that they don't have all the negative repercussions that I do. But in the meantime, I'm going to give up this image that I don't need help. I'm going to give up this image that I can, that I'm, I don't know, can eat all the things other people can eat. I'm going to give up um, this this strong tower of like, I don't need any help. And I'm going to be vulnerable and share with people, I'm sorry, I can't eat that. And I'm so grateful. I have a very gracious community. I, even knowing that though, it was super scary. And the thing is, you might actually have a more gracious community than you realize. And if you don't, you that actually might be something that you do need to give up. I totally have clients who've had to give up certain communities that they've been a part of because they, whether it's individuals or groups of people, because they were not supportive. Or we had to create specific and talk through specific strategies of like, hey, I'm going to hang out with my family for 4th of July weekend and none of them are supportive of my health, you know, choices, and they'll probably make fun of me, or they'll push me to eat this thing, and it'll be tempting, or I'll just feel really dishonored. And so we really talk through what it looks like to give up pleasing our family or, or, you know, succumbing to peer pressure, or like kind of trying to look a certain way to the people around us. And it's kind of like, if they're uncomfortable with, with what makes me healthy, and what makes me have good boundaries, you know, Giving up poor boundaries is another thing that is, you could think of it as adding on boundaries, but, but, but I honestly, a lot of times feel like it's giving up poor boundaries. Like we actually choose to keep and hold on and like, like, like cling to poor boundaries. Cause it's like, well, if I just let other people push me around, they'll like me, or it's really uncomfortable to say no to somebody. And it's actually more of a letting go of a clinging that, and so that's kind of why it's really interesting. We think that it's adding on boundaries. I have to do one more thing. But but oftentimes boundaries is actually uh, uh, an experience of saying here and no further. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to let you mock me. I'm not going to hang out with you if you are not supportive or whatever it is. And so I've had clients who've had to, to stop drinking alcohol or stop drink, eating gluten or stop eating sugar. And like that's been a... A, a process for them of giving up something. Um, so I've had to give up control over foods, for example, like not eating corn, giving up my like right to corn. And I've also had to give up control over my food in terms of when I was on the low FODMAP diet and I started healing, there was this transitional point where, um, and I wasn't, mind you, I wasn't healing because of the low FODMAP diet. The low FODMAP diet was like symptom management. And I actually have a podcast episode on why the low FODMAP diet is not healing your gut. It's like episode two or three. We'll have a link in the show notes. And so, um, but I was healing for some other reasons, like craniosacral therapy, visceral manipulation. And I could tell that 
you know, I was able to eat a higher quantity of food. My gut was hurting me less. You know, my bowel movements were more regular. And so I was, went through this weird transitional period where I was so used to giving up like my, you know, rights to, I don't know, almonds or watermelon or broccoli, you know, all the things you can't eat on the, or you can eat almonds. You can eat, no, yeah, you can't eat almonds. Man, it's been a while. But um, all the things you can't eat on the low FODMAP diet, I was kind of used to that mode. But I also had to give up this like control as in like, like vice grip, like I can't eat anything. I'm not going to let myself, I'm going to comb through all my food. And I went through this learning period of receiving food, the energy of receiving with gratitude. And we actually have a new nutritional therapist, her name's Shannon Callery, on our team. And she actually has a handout. I was talking with her. Uh, she has the most coolest handout. And she has a she has a handout on like learning how to to receive food with gratitude. And I probably wanted to hug her at that point. Um because I was like, I had to go through that learning period as well of of this nuance of when you're so used, when you finally feel like you've gotten down the knack of like giving food up. And some of my clients, they are in the point where they're like, oh, I think I have to give up gluten. This is really hard. And that's where we start with them. And some of my clients, they have already been on an elimination diet for a long time. And we start walking them through what does it look like to start trusting food or to um, to feel like, to, what, how do you know when you're safe again to start reintroducing foods? How do you do that practically? But then on an emotional level, how do I receive this food in a way that I'm going to have the highest likelihood that this isn't going to you know, upset me? Because if you're afraid when you eat anything, I don't care if you're sick or not, if you're just like straight up afraid because there's a bear or because COVID or because whatever, like you're going to have indigestion. Your body is not ready to digest. You're not in rest and digest. So that was another thing I had to give up was this kind of like vice grip on like all the things I couldn't eat. So that was a weird, you know, it's a both and giving up direction. I had to give up saying yes to more things than was healthy for my body. So I had to really simplify my priorities. Uh, that meant like being less involved in fewer activities in my church, um, being less involved in social activities or hobbies or sports. And again, it's like, wow, it sounds depressing. And it is. it, it was sad, but I'm healthier. That's worth it, right? And actually, we don't need as many things, I think, as we think we do to be successful or to be happy. And I, I learned that. I learned that I actually don't need to say yes to so many things to be valued by my community or to to move up in life, whatever it is that is kind of driving me. And that was really freeing. Um, and then lastly, I, I mean, it's not the last thing, but the last thing I wrote down to share with y'all is I gave up limiting beliefs, negative thinking, and old stories about myself. And, you know, some of the old stories have to do with like, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. It's true. Um, didn't get invited to birthday parties. Like I had people who would talk with me, but like didn't really have people want to sit with me at lunch. And it's so embarrassing to share that sometimes, but it was true. And so that was like a story I had. And so it made it really hard for me to not show up to events I was invited to it, or, you know, because it's like this compulsory, like I want to be liked. I, I, I want to be present. I want people to know I'm important. I'm at this thing. And um, that was like a driving factor that that was just period point blank driving me. So it was driving my adrenal glands. It was driving my brain and my mind and not letting me turn off. And it was driving my decisions. And so I was acting out of fear. I wasn't acting out of faith or trust or boundaries or 
self-worth or anything positive. So I really had to give up the like that's an old story, limiting beliefs, like, um, you know, if I quit this job, my life will fall apart. You know, that's, it's a limiting, it's, it's a belief that's limiting my choices in life, or it's limiting my, or it is a belief that is limited in what I believe is possible in this world. Um, and just negative thinking that could be everything from like my own thoughts about myself, but also, and I'd say even especially negative thinking about the world, like this won't work. Um, you know, or everybody, everybody in the world's so grumpy or like, I don't know by grumpy. I mean, I'm just thinking about news, like all the negative news we see. And so it's like, oh, the world's falling apart. And like, people are so segregated and separated. And, and that was just like negative thinking. We see in psychology studies, the effects of just bad news (laughs) on people's brains and their minds and their cortisol levels and their saliva. I mean, it's just crazy. And so some of that might've been, um, reducing news intake. And so not living in a hole, but like having it one place that I got news. I would check for five minutes a day. And the funny thing is, is along the way, I actually learned that that's a common practice, even by top ranking CEOs, is to find one place that they like to find a very succinct news report and they spend like 30 minutes a day on it and that is it, you know? And so they're not just letting, you know, the radio blare or just like... just like swimming in their news. And we think about our news feed and Facebook and things we get exposed to that we're like, I didn't want to see that today. Or I don't want to see it 20 times today. That's the other thing that can happen in our news feed is something big happens and it gets reshared and reshared and reshared. And then we're just re-exposed. And, and while we definitely want, you know, there's a good thing with things being top of mind and people realizing, hey, it's a problem that XYZ thing is happening in the world. Um, there's, there is an effect of this re-traumatization or, or just the stress of like, okay, that, that was, it's the same now as it was five minutes ago, but now I just saw a new article that made me more upset or I re- rewatched this video or whatever. And so giving up things that are increasing negative thinking that might also be relationships, people in your life who are excessively negative and usually that those people have no idea. Um, you know, they think, well, I'm just telling the facts or I'm just trying to help you out and give you good news. And they have, that's why they keep having negative thinking because they have rationale for it. They have a reason for it. doesn't mean it's a reason that you need to subscribe to and that you could, you know, either seek to spend less time with them. That's like giving up, um, time or relationship with a person, not to say that you love them less, but you're giving up this kind of like a need to have a certain quality of relationship with this person. Um, or, or it's giving up maybe even asking and, and saying really politely, Hey, um, I'm really working on my health right now or my stress levels or whatever. And, um, I know you've shared about this and this really matters a lot to you. Um, but it actually kind of stresses me out. Could we talk about something else right now? Um, I've actually done that with my dad. <laughs> my dad's like a really kind of political, he likes argument and like he finds it fun and, and, and more often than not that I don't, I find it stressful. And so I've had to have uh, just like really simple conversations and of like, basically what I just said, um, I'm working on my health. This, I find this stressful. Um, could we, could we talk about something else? And he's usually like kind of surprised and he's like, okay, um, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) And they just move on. So those are some examples of things I've had to give up. I, what resonated with you? Which one was like, oh my gosh, I, 
I really want that one so bad and I don't know how I'm going to do it. Or I've thought about that or, or I, or I didn't know I could like receive food with gratitude or like, how does that even happen? Like that thing where your heart jumps out, that is, that is where your invitation is of where your next step to freedom is. And it's not like, you know, if you do this, I still recommend making sure you don't have things like parasites and pathogens and H. pylori and making sure you have enough stomach acid and bile production and you're digesting your food and all the sorts of things that that we look for in functional health. But but functional health also 100% totally includes the spiritual, mental, psychological aspect. And so, you know, uh, now that I get, I've given up a lot of those things, I work every day and by work, I don't mean like, Oh, I'm try. I'm I'm trying. I'm like I'm striving for it. Um, I actually really like this song that we sing in my church. Um, and whether or not you're a Christian or spiritual or religious, whatever it is, like I just love it. And it says, "There is no striving. There is no striving in your love." And and it's like, even if you say the first thing, like there is no striving. Wow, I strive. Think how much am I striving all day long? And so again, not that I'm striving and all and giving up all these things, but I'm intentional. I'm just saying, okay, I'm allowed to give up. That's a negative thought, or I'm allowed to say no to that thing, and I practice it. Um, it's just like anything you practice, an instrument or 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 a job or a career or whatever. So I'm happier. Like it has made a huge difference, and I really don't think I if I'd done all the kind of logical stuff, the parasites and the supplements and the exercise and the detoxing and the saunas, but I didn't work on my mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual (laughs) side of myself. I do not think I would be in my health the way I am today. It either wouldn't be sticking as well, or I'd just be stressed the heck out about how to stay healthy. Um, So I don't feel like I'm in a box. I do feel happier. I, as I was writing this podcast episode, I was reminded of John Maxwell. He has a quote. He's a leadership guru. Really love the guy. Do highly recommend everything he has. And he says, you have to give up to go up. And when he's talking to people, a lot of times he's talking to leaders who are, and honestly, I I believe like women, we are leaders. We're leaders in our households. We're leaders in our communities, in our, in our classrooms, in our you know, in our workplace, we're leaders to ourselves. And so when you're wanting the next level of something, whether it's the next level in income, the next level in relationship, the next level in, you know, whatever you feel like success is, um, and for sure, health is included. He's saying, what are you willing to give up to get there? And he says constantly, you have to give up things. You can't the, re- the reason you're not in the next place is you haven't given that thing up. And that could be expectations or a weight or bitterness, or it could be, you know, lack of responsibility, or it could be, I'm going to give up my, I think finances get, I'm going to hire a business coach or whatever it is. Um, John Maxwell, the people he's speaking to, like it applies in every situation. You have to give up. You have to let off these weights that are holding you at your current level. You have to give up to go up. Um, and kind of what I was just saying is the way I like to frame it to myself to kind of take off some of that stress and pressure and I don't know, negative speech, um, negative as in like the weighty striving speech is what are, what am I being invited to give up? What is, am I invited 
to give up struggle? Am I being invited to give up perfection? Am I being invited to give up shame over my health or what I have or haven't spent money on or what I have or haven't eaten or what I have or haven't exercised? Um, all these things, what, what can I let go of? I've had to let go of and I knew, I knew the moment that I found out that I had miscarried that I was going to have to give that up. Like I was going to have to intentionally like somewhere between forgive myself and let it go that it wasn't my fault I miscarried and it wasn't like I hadn't tried to be healthy and it wasn't like, like it wasn't my fault. And yet there was definitely that feeling of like, holy cats, I'm a health expert. How is this happening to me? Um, And that's just being really vulnerable and really truthful. But also I hope it's encouraging to hear, to hear that. And so the hardest person it is to lead is yourself. John Maxwell says that, and it's just point blank true. <laughs> it's why we try to lead so many other people. I try to boss my roommate around or my kids or my, my husband or whatever, my boss, um, because it's just so much easier to boss someone else around than it is yourself. And so this is an opportunity to lead yourself and to lead yourself with gentleness. And when you learn to lead yourself with gentleness and grace and, and imperfection, you set yourself up to honestly be a better leader to others and to your community, whether you're a leader right now or not. So one thing that I I love, and as I was thinking about all this is like, when we give things up, we get in return, what we get actually physically is space, space in our minds, space in our calendar, maybe space in our house. I, I, um, Christine Kane, my business coach, has a wonderful story, really touching about how <laughs> her business coach asked her as part of her, you know, growing in her business to get rid of clutter. And there is a lot of reasons why there was clutter. And she realized there was emotional baggage with her clutter and why she couldn't get rid of clothes or furniture or whatever. And um, like maybe that that's something I haven't mentioned directly, but I have gone through different phases of just cleaning out stuff that from other phases of my life that I felt shame for spending money on or that I never wore and used or that I had, had a negative memory or even a positive memory with that. I was just like, okay, but that's over and I'm going to move forward. And, um, like you lit, I mean, in, in that case, you literally get space back. If you're decluttering at all, we get freedom and openness in our bodies that affects both our minds and our biology when we give up to go up and our cells know this when it happens. Our cells are actually designed to be in communication with the rest of our body. They don't speak like we do with our voice or think like we do with our frontal lobe, but they have communication methods on, like they have to, otherwise they would just start being AWOL. And so even our cells know when there is a shift in our body and our psychology and our mind. So as we wrap up this episode, I just want to encourage you guys in two things. Number one takeaway is remember that health is a state of ease. And that doesn't mean that everything we do is easy. Honestly, giving up a lot of the things that I shared was not easy. It was also not immediate. I didn't do them all at once. And I none of them are completed. Like I never have to do it again. I'm constantly practicing. Uh, what's the new thing I need to give up today? My expectation to get five things done. Maybe I'm only going to get two things done. You know, I want to, and that totally happens to me. I want to record three podcast episodes today, run a mile, 
and clean the house and buy groceries and see five clients. You're like, what the crap? Um, <laughs> that can happen to me. Um, but health is a state of ease. And even if you're still living in a state of illness, you can actually be cultivating and accepting and, and bringing into you the mindset and the, the approach of ease in your health. Number two, um, I want you to ask yourself, what's something you can do related to what you're giving up that activates the thing you're giving up? And so maybe the thing you want to give up is negative thinking um, or some negative self-talk. And so you could write, take out a note card to yourself and write, I am proud of my body or write, um, I am worthy of saying no or... Um, I, I, those are the two things I wrote down. Those are anything that you feel like is a mindset problem. Um, note, writing a note card down and like sticking it on your mirror or in your car, writing multiple of these around, putting it by your workstation. These are really great places to, that's, that's a really practical hands-on thing you can do that's simple and accrues over time. Um, you could review your budget and talk to your husband or partner about giving up financial financial grip on your finances to explore new avenues for your health. And one of the things that, you know, I did is I actually gave up on DIYing my health. That was one thing I meant to mention. Um, and that meant, I mean, I have a whole podcast on like finding a good health or a good chiropractor and like you might, and the opposite of, you know, not DIYing your health isn't necessarily just going out to the next person you find and buying from them or, or purchasing their services, but you, you definitely want to trust whoever you work with, but it does mean planning and expecting and, and maybe reallocating and saying, you know, we were planning on buying this piece of furniture or this, what this new TV or something, but we can, we can last a little bit longer with what we have and buy something or start investing in, in a better body for you and a better health, a better mindset less pain. Um, so, you know, maybe that, so that could again be reviewing your budget, talking to your husband or partner, if you have one, um, or talking to anybody who'd be impacted by your financial decision. Uh, you can look for a new job that will better suit your health needs. Um, just like start looking, Google it or talk to people or ask around, see, you know, what are, what are you interested in? Are you going to stay in the same field, go to a different field, or you could start the side business that you know will give you more life than your nine to five job. Uh, that's kind of basically what happened with me with my massage therapy career was not an intention. That's where I started. <laughs> And I just realized that me running my own business was going to be a better option than me working for someone. That was just a kind of choice. And I still scared. I jumped in and I did it. And it's made the difference in my health and in my life. Um, you can give up your rights to gluten or to sugar. Throw out all the foods. This is practically how you would do it. Not just like a mental like, yes, Allison, I'm going to give up my rights and then nothing changes. Uh, really practically, throw out all the foods with gluten in them or give them to friends. That way your pantry no longer has those items and you have officially given them up. <laughs> They're either in the trash or, or, or outside of your house with, with friends. Um, same with sugar. Sugar is a big one. So um, throwing out things that have processed sugar in them. 
uh, or again, giving it to friends. Saying no to things that were asked of you. Maybe you have a tending or what a pending uh, request to host a party at your house or to attend something, um, an event that doesn't fit well into your week, and you're kind of holding out and saying no. I recently had it yesterday. My husband and I we were reviewing our plan, and I just say no to something. It was so sad. Um, <laughs> we both actually had a really we both admitted it. we were like this is sad but we decided to say no because it didn't fit into some of our other priorities um and it was partly so we could say yes to something else and then uh, number two or not number two but another thing um you know that you might be wanting to give up or that might have stuck out to you is to simplify your priorities so i would encourage you like sift through your week and month and write down everything you do so groceries once a week taking the kids to soccer um what else going to work <laughs> um doing my hobby running sauna whatever it is um, going to a party things like that and i encourage you to reduce reduce it by one <laughs> that might actually sound really hard maybe it sound really easy Look at the whole thing you do in a week or a month and reduce by one to say that one thing I'm going to take out. And maybe it's something you need to run by your husband or run by your kids. But I actually know a family that has a rule that their kids can only do one extracurricular thing per semester. And that is like it's actually cool their kids actually get ownership because they choose what they do each semester like I want to be in dance or I want to be in musical theater. I want to be in soccer or or football or basketball and they choose that and so the the kids really look forward to every new semester and of course they feel sad like they can feel really torn like oh I really want to do two things but I can only do one guess what you're actually teaching them these really helpful truths and prioritization skills as a child plus you're saving some of your sanity because your kids are just a little bit less busy and so you have more time to to do you and be you and be with your kids and and rest and all that jazz. And then lastly, another thing you could do to activate all this is to find one thing to ask your husband slash partner slash roommate for support on. And that's giving up doing it all yourself, which was never any, was not something I explicitly said, but it is the real one. Giving it up, giving up doing it all yourself. And so like I have gone, I can remember times where I've had to ask my roommate to before I was married to like, hey, when you're at the grocery store, can you pick up my groceries and I will pay you back or here's my credit card. Um, Or and that might be once a month or just this week. Or um, I've had to ask my husband like, hey, I've been really meaning to vacuum. You know, I have, but I'm really tired and I'm going to be going to this thing. Could you vacuum while I'm gone? It would actually mean a lot to me. And it's so funny, like that is so life-giving. I come back and I'm an acts of service person. That's a love language of mine. We haven't talked about love languages. If you haven't found them, if you don't know what that is, they're wonderful. Um, you can look up a book, The Five Love Languages by Gary something. Forgot his last name. He's a psychologist. But um, I know that acts of service is a love language of mine. And so it's really energizing to me. And I feel when I come home now, I'm not like behind or like I didn't do that thing. Um, and I've, you know, had to ask my husband like, hey, I know I was planning on making dinner this week, but could you do that? We have all the ingredients we need. I just I really need to rest in that time slot when I would have been cooking. Um, and again, I've totally done that with my roommates. Like we like would make meals and we would split the meal. So like. One of us makes it and then we each get half and the next week the other person makes the big crock pot meal and we each get half, things like that. Um, you know, anything that's been nagging you, you feel like you should be doing and like you feel kind of ashamed or it feels like you don't have enough energy for, that is a great item, like a specific thing to, to say like, 
that is, well, that's what I'm going to choose. That's what I'm going to ask someone else to help me with. And I'm going to give up doing it all myself. So that is just some ideas, examples. Honestly, I really hope today's episode was life-giving and kind of just getting the wheels turning of things that you're expecting yourself to do and things that are pressuring you and keeping you on the your current level in health. And if you want support in your journey, I would love to partner with you to help you find answers in your health. I know that one of the things that we give up is DIYing our health or trying to do it all ourselves. And so I would love to help support you from the outside so that you can have a step-by-step plan. You can have more energy, feel lighter, and have an improved mindset and mental state by finding out the root cause of what's going on in your body, not guessing anymore on, you know, I don't know what foods it is and and just feeling like you're going a little insane, but actually really finding those, those specific things, getting healing that's long term so that you can feel good in your body again. And ultimately in the end, actually have fewer restrictions on your life, get some spoons back and have the, the life that you have been looking for and that you dream of. If you are ready for support in your health and you're ready to dive in deep, you can apply for our 30 minute consultation. If you If you qualify and I review every application personally, then we will jump on a 30-minute phone call. We never want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to waste my time or your time. And so we have that application for that reason. And if we can help you, we will jump on that call and discuss what your options are for working with us. Awesome. Well, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you get all of our upcoming episodes. And you really do want to be listening to our episodes coming up. We are approaching our first year anniversary of the podcast. I'm really excited for that. And we have some exciting news to share. On our one year anniversary of our podcast, we are going to be releasing uh, the ability to buy something that we are creating that's going to equip you and give you greater insight into your health. It is something that I wish every woman had in her life. It's a tool and it would really change your relationship with your doctor, your sense of ownership of your health and help you have ownership of your health increasingly over time. It is something I'm super passionate about and it is something that I give to all of my clients that I work with. It is so powerful and so amazing and we are going to be making it available to you to have in our one year anniversary. If you want to dive in deep before then, you can connect with us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners and seeing what is impacting you and what you love. I know recently y'all were loving on our skin gut connection uh, podcast episode, and that was really awesome. So let us know what you love on Instagram and anything that you want to hear more on. Send me a DM. I would love to know how we can serve you and bring education into your life. So if you thought of a friend while you were listening to this episode, I encourage you to take a screenshot and send that screenshot to your friend and say, hey, I was thinking of you. I think that this might be helpful to you. I know that the traveling journey of our health can be so lonely and so exasperating sometimes. And so today's episode might be a real encouragement to someone you know who's also going through the same thing. And to end, a reminder, our motto, miracles are immediate, 
but healing takes time. I'll see you on the next episode. 